Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Codex West, your favorite taking a two-week hiatus every two weeks podcast. <laughs> I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Johnny Paglino. Hi. And Mark Quivola. What up, what up? And we just got some fancy new microphones, well, Johnny and I did. Uh, this setup is <laughs> yeah, a nightmare I'm- today. We can only kind of hear each other, but that's okay because we don't really listen to each other anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's more, it's more about talking uh, over each other. This is like a, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Rather than talking with each other. And this setup maximally enables us to talk with each other because I can't hear a word Johnny's saying, even though he's right across from me. This so, is gonna, yeah, this is the prime opportunity for losing things in translation and getting angry at one another. This, is, this should be a good one. Oh, Mark, speaking of Lost in Translation, that's a perfect segue into (laughs) our subject, this year's Oscars. No, it's not. (laughs) You're a liar, dude. You guys see Lost in Translation? That shit was so good. Dude, that was amazing. I can't believe (laughs) it's not I think it's going to win Best Picture Picture 2007. What did she say to Bill Murray at the end? What did she say? Goodbye, I think. Oh, no, Bill Murray says it to her. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, I think he was just licking on her ear. Yeah. <laughs> cannot, That's what I would do. Cannot blame. <laughs> anyways, yeah. story of uh, today is drink Suntory whiskey. And uh, yeah. So anyways, we what? actually are going to talk about today's Oscars. Um, it's very true. And uh, Johnny, I guess I'm going to let you. Uh, oh, I'm taking it. Oh, uh, you're taking it. All right. Oh, well, okay. Sure. So um, we just watch movies. It's fun to like talk about these movies. Everyone loves to trash the Oscars, including me. Yeah, and but. Me. Yeah, they're they're fun to trash, but they're also fun to watch. It's kind of like I just watched like a bunch of The Bachelor uh, this weekend. Uh, oh my god, me also. And like, <laughs> it was amazing. Like, it was amazing just because you could just like throw jokes at it the whole time, and yet you're so invested yeah. in the characters. <laughs> you can really pretend like you don't care, but at the end of the day, Ari is a friggin' smoking piece of man meat. It's true. Ari Ari is like he's just like fondling all the girls. Twenty five girls. Do you we watched it? we watched an entire episode where he meets every single one of these girls' families and tells all of them that he has a unique relationship with each individual. Gives them each of these four girls' families get the same speech about how important they are to. Oh them. yeah! Oh my God! It's so good. It's unbelievable. It's the man so is good. I'm, a beautiful I'm absolutely sociopath. speechless. That you guys legitimately watch that. It's like, when does when does irony become mental illness? That's what I'm asking <laughs> you. <laughs> I don't know. It's not that, man. It's like it's just you know, like it's that. No, it's, it's like that. Por- <laughs> it's like pornography for intimacy, and that- it's not like that. It's I mental think it's illness. Exactly like it is that. pure <laughs> mental illness. It is that- like masturbatory mental illness. That's exactly. We're what it is. proud of how sick we are. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, seriously. Okay, I'm a little mentally ill. Whatever. <laughs> we, yeah. I know that. I know that. I know that. So we could uh, we could stop talking about pornography. And <laughs> we're talking about The Bachelor. Dude. Uh, yeah, you're talking wholesome, yeah. wholesome family TV. <laughs> pornography is not about nudity. It's about approach. And so, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, fucking, let's get to the movies. <laughs> yeah, what is let's, poverty porn? If not this I'm just saying. I was just saying. Let's end this and then end me. Okay. If anything, that was a good segue into the movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a good segue into the movies in the sense that literally, please stop talking about this, would be a good segue <laughs> into the movies. So uh, we've already done an episode on three billboards uh, outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is one of the nominees. Uh, what are the other ones? Because I know I haven't seen a couple of them. I haven't seen Phantom Thread, and I have not seen uh, Call Me By Your Name. And there are four others, if I'm not mistaken. 
Johnny, are you there? Huh. John, yeah, Johnny's here. He did. Sorry, fix oh, he's got, what I need to make doing? sure we were good. Sending I need to make sure we were good. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. Sorry. This this whole this is very interesting. What we're the setup is not ideal, but <laughs> I had to go and check something was right. Okay, so you want me to go through all of them? Yeah, yeah. Name the nominees. Okay, so uh, it goes. Oh my, <laughs> my notes start with a movie. I was about to just my notes start with a movie that I wanted to be in the best pictures, but it isn't. So let me skip that. Um, <laughs> Lady Bird. <laughs> I was about oh to be like, God. good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, surprising. Yeah, for sure. But, um, okay, so Lady Bird, The Post, Shape of Water, Get Out, Dunkirk, Three Billboards, Phantom Thread, Call Me By Your Name, and Darkest Hour. Okay, can we briefly talk about the one of like one of these things is not like the others at least out of the ones that i've seen why is get out in the mix here do you guys think i think get out one it was like a record had like record box office mm-hmm. um like for jordan peele like well this it, is his directorial debut isn't it yeah but it was like the first like horror movie to make that much money do, do you know mark you might know yeah it, well i mean like uh, my perspective on why that movie did so well was that it was kind of um how do i put this it uh so number one, it was yes, one of the. How about this? He it was the like largest opening weekend for a black director ever. That's number one, and number oh, really? two. Oh really? I didn't know that. that yeah, was but I think that that's obviously now been trumped. <laughs> Might by have black been eclipsed Panther. by a black man. <laughs> by, by black. Just by maybe. Black yeah. yeah, exactly. Because uh, uh, so I have two hundred fifty-five million. Wow. Is what it made for the opening weekend or no 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 that's it. Like, that's in the shit. box office that's box office <laughs> yeah, gross yeah. in total. But the movie was also that's made for extreme. what like. $8 million. How much money did they have in budget? Couldn't have been very much. Um, yeah, you had probably, Marnie from Girls and a black actor that I've never seen before and then a bunch of white people. He's in a bunch of shit. He's in, like, Black Mirror and... Um, oh, he's an English British. actor, isn't he? Yeah, he's British. Um, yeah. But, uh, okay, the reason I think that Get Out got it, into this whole... $4.5 4.5 million. Seriously, wow. dude. I mean, yeah. that's like That's got to be a, a record for like net. turnover too. Anyway, that's so an basically insane amount like, of money. we could Right. We could just throw out the numbers, but basically like I think that that was really important. It It was also like a cultural moment, man. It's like the um you know that old trope that like the black person dies in the beginning of any uh horror movie. Yeah, he's right? always the first guy to die. In this, he's like the protagonist. He's like the like the black person is the survivor of that story, right? Yeah. Which is um which is a lot different from kind of conventional it is genre uh, movie theater horror movies, right? Um but at the same time I also think that it's just like a product of its time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it is completely know, like a, if that movie a came moment, out. Yeah. If that movie came out in like 2010, I don't think it would have mattered the same way, right? No. That movie probably wouldn't That's have come totally out in 2010 fair. or something like that, right? Yeah. But I think that the yeah. reason it got into this mix generally is because it's just such a product of its time, and it exemplifies. Um, Something that's like you know, kind of. Uh, the it's not not just like, not just like black excellence. It's interesting to me that the protagonist is like also like an artist. Um, yeah, but obviously that's like, like a whole other layer of the you know. Like yeah, it's like the black excellence and also movie, like yeah. fear of white people. Yeah. It was like also, it's like fear of the wealthy too. Yeah, well, there's a. I think like what like the the cleverness of it is using horror as a way to like delve into the hypocrisies of liberal awareness right yeah like, of course these yeah. are like people who are supposed to, they're supposed to be cool but then like you use 
horror as like what's underneath what's the thing i'm not seeing yeah totally yeah and and i mean that's like what defines like the horror genre in many ways is it's kind of about that subtext right yeah right and so i think like because of that like clever conceit it was elevate like i mean he's like i think what was it usc some schools in california were like inviting him to like give lectures about the movie like it was i've no i don't know any movie that's like gotten that kind of like like academic academic yeah right away like that esteem or instant yeah so um it's just kind of i think for that reason it had like your guys right about cultural moment but it was like specific cultures that were like fascinated by it it was the stars aligned it was like like, catching lightning in a bottle i guess is the the yeah although i'll be honest i don't like the movie yeah i don't don't think it's like it's not very deft and it's not very subtle for like what it's talking about although i guess that's sort of like a product of being a horror movie i'll just be real man it wasn't very horrifying no, no. Yeah, I, fell, I fell asleep. Scary. It bored me to sleep. Like, <laughs> that's why I don't fall asleep during movies, and this movie was like I was bored to sleep from it because it was just I so also, slow. I, I don't like, know. I also so thought obvious. The, I thought it was like funny. I'm not. Yeah, yeah I'm not that's saying that's a bad it. thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. That's just like the, I'm saying. That's why I think I enjoyed the movie. Um, more than you, Johnny, specifically, and probably more than Jacob. It's just because I kind of saw it as being, uh, in many ways, like a satire. Right. Yeah, and I think so, it, but I think it sort of like defied genre in a way that made it seem like it was confused about the kind of movie that it should have. been. And I think that that might, I think that that might be an apt criticism, right? But what I'll say is that yeah, the movie isn't like laugh out loud funny, but there's definitely like a consistent kind of self aware humor throughout the whole thing that I attach to. Sure. Yeah. But then there are other moments where I think that the movie gets too like heavy handed and preachy, like everybody else thinks about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, um, for sure. But yeah. my thing would be like, I think he was doing like off brand Haneke. Like, That's exactly. Yeah. Like, black Haneke. Right. That's kind of what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Cause like, I mean like Matt, like think of funny games, for instance, like there's yeah. just this like, the meta awareness is like it's well, definitely parallel yeah like parallel it's like it's about instead of sure. like race it's about violence yeah and mm-hmm. uh class yeah um but that movie works because like Haneke like he has like a better control of pacing and like he tests your limits and he's doing something like legitimately difficult and artistic yes Absolutely. Um, For sure. I, th- I don't think this movie challenge I mean it clearly didn't challenge me I fell asleep I thought some of its images were like or whatever like the whole like falling yeah. through the like yeah. it was just like yeah, okay whatever. i know that's I difficult it, to yeah. do i know yeah. that's not easy but like I just as someone watching the movie it felt a little flat flat it felt cartoony or cliche yeah. or like i don't know it felt like that what's that one nike commercial or adidas commercial where it's the people fall yeah, the yeah, yeah you know what i'm talking anyway it seemed like an overused idea and like the movie itself was that had one clever conceit and then everything else was just sort of like first time directing i think so. yeah it was sure. i mean it's like uh i mean i guess the equivalent though would be like a first time you know like a first year film student being up for some big award or something it's like it's better than that but it's also like that no, yeah but you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Step it's at up that from, level right yeah. it's like it's too it's too much it's in my clearly I, a directorial I, debut yeah. and that's not like but i think that like the promise that it shows leads me to believe that like he's going to produce interesting things that are maybe a little bit more refined in the future. I'd be shocked if it won best picture, but it says something that it's even in the running. I think yeah. that I think, and I, I don't think it's out of place in 
that consideration in the sense that like it really was like a big cultural phenomenon right and sometimes with the oscars you need to like think to yourself well what you know i i don't mean to be trite but like what is the like what does the best picture award mean who what who can be nominated for that kind of accolade right and you realize that one of the considerations is that that was an incredibly incredibly popular and profitable movie that became kind of a like a social craze right mm-hmm. at its moment totally and so i think for that like uh socio-cultural consideration alone i think that it does have a place in the running it shouldn't win best picture it won't win best picture but i think it you know i but think that not. the nomination is relatively apt Fair. for what it did in the that's, marketplace i think that's pretty reasonable i don't think we should spend yeah. too much time talking no. about oh, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> no, we're done with get well, we're done with get well, out we're done with get out what it, yeah. what's interesting i think is that like so like we're done but i also race was like thing. a huge issue last oscars mm-hmm. and it's like this yeah. is like a carryover of that um sure. because this year it's about women and um i i don't i don't know the statistics or anything but, but I, it's probably safe to say that this is um the like, most representative most feministic yeah because like Lady Bird, directed by a woman that's like very rare mm-hmm. um and then uh you know like Three billboards, obviously. Three billboards, we, talk, we obviously. talked about the sort of feministic overtones of that movie in a previous podcast, and how, yeah. and how dude, well fa- executed and also was. Phantom Thread. Dude. Yeah, Phantom, Phantom Thread, Thread is, yeah. Yeah, is a, a feminist movie. You know and call mean? me by. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if Phantom <laughs> Thread's a feminist movie. No, no, I, I, I it's don't got know. a strong woman. Well, I don't know about no. that. She's the one that like ends up in the power position. That doesn't automatically make it feministic though no i'm saying that but but i also think that it's drawing on kind of the narratives of like turn of the century like female enlightenment novels do you know what i mean like rebecca and the awakening and stuff like that's what that reminded me of i think i got that from reading an atlantic article actually i think that the guy rebecca is a movie that rebecca was like the inspiration movie that uh oh okay yeah and you could tell like to me this was like his attempt to like do a hitchcockian kind of thing um which i think really yeah i mean i think i think so but it wasn't like the romance of it was really um different to me i don't know like i mean i could be wrong you might be able to give me a better example but like, i think you'd have to see rebecca like actually see it to like no, oh, did Hitchcock? Like uh, did Hitchcock um, yeah. direct Rebecca? Okay, I've read the book. I yeah. didn't see the movie. Yeah, I read the book a long time ago, but he did the movie, and like obviously, there's like his style imposed in it for sure. Um, and that I like. How do I put this? I think like what's, what was interesting about this movie is like when I watch Hitchcock, it's always like this slight dread. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this movie, it was like more. There were moments where, like, okay, for instance, when he's in the bed and he sees his mother. Yeah. Like, if that was Hitchcock, he wouldn't have used that Johnny Greenwood score, which was, like, it elevated. It was, like, unbelievably beautiful. It didn't, like, want to scare you. So it wasn't like, oh, he sees something and he's haunted. It was like he sees something and it's, like, releasing him from this pain. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And so, like, what's cool about it, it's, like, it's it's not like a horror. It's, like, gothic. So it yeah, has it's like, gothic because it because the it has cause dread. Also, yeah the the figure but, is like angelic, right? Like that whole scene is like that whole scene has like a positive connotation. He's not like he doesn't seem scared or like that he has some disorder with seeing this. It's like you know 
it allows him to kind of work through an issue. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And, yeah, so I would say, like, the fact that he's willing to let his movie be, you know, just honestly an attempt at beauty um, makes it something I haven't totally seen before, especially since it's so funny and it's like makes fun of itself so much. Yeah. Um, but what I thought, you know, I guess it's sort of like a typical observation that um, Daniel Day-Lewis decided to go out on a movie that wasn't a character film. Yeah. Which I thought... Like, something about that to me is more fearless because it's like he's putting himself, you know, like when you think of Daniel Day-Lewis as like a great actor, it's like because he can inhabit someone else. And this is a movie where he didn't have to like do any like affectations. He was just himself talking like himself. I don't know about that. There was, I mean, there there was, I I actually found it um, pretty transformative. I actually didn't think that he was just kind of acting like himself. I mean, I didn't, I don't think that the character was as much of a caricature as like, for example, Daniel Plainview and there'll be blood, even though it's, yeah. How about this? Yeah. It's a care. It's a character film. So the idea is that character is kind of exaggerated, right? At least to some degree. Um, in right. this, I found his character really natural and I thought it wasn't supposed to kind of stand out like that, but I still at the same time watched like his mannerisms and the way like his face muscles moved in, in Phantom Thread and I didn't think he looked like or reminded me of like the way Daniel Day Lewis actually acts on a regular basis. I mean, I could be wrong, I mean, but like, I, I mean, I, I wasn't really making that point so much. I was making the point that you made about him not playing a caricature. Like, obviously, he's acting, so he's gonna like make decisions. But oh, d- uh, yeah, um, I, I think we're I think we're like d- diverging. No, but, we're on the same yeah. page. Yeah. So okay. I guess what I meant to say though is that that shift from like character acting to um naturalistic acting is like a way of him playing with his stature because um like he always gets nominated for these films because of like his ability to transform right and like yeah. acting's all like, like when we think about like stature and acting like the highest level actors what have they done they're like either like submitting themselves to, like physical torture like what leonardo dicaprio did in uh the revenant or like what Christian Bale tries to do all the time. Yeah, right. Like, I'm gonna gain a million pounds. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That like kind of like pain I can or like with that. yeah. The ethics of acting are interesting because like we want people to suffer on screen and then we like praise them for it. Um, yeah. This is a film where like that suffering happens so internally um, that it to me it's like a he's like okay I'm gonna go out with this film that's just about actual suffering, not yeah. this like really like put on. Uh, like Hollywood kind of suffering. Yeah, like melodramatic. And, and that works because, like, in the movie, too, there's like, you know, they're playing with stature and power dynamics. Um, so there's like a continuity there. Like, with, um, oh God, what's her name? I can't think of it right now. Oh my God, I actually don't uh, know. Elena, whatever, the girl in the film, um, she's just constantly like, she's fighting for like her place in his world. And the way she does it is, like, so Vicky inventive. Vicky oh, well, that's, that's the actress, yeah. Yeah. Um, just the fact that, like, there's this play between, like, him, like, submitting himself to this illness, to becoming sick, 
um, is like I just saw that as like a parallel to like him submitting himself to like not going out with the biggest bang he could. Like it was like it seemed just so authentic in that way where everything was coming together um, because he just wanted to do a real like human. It's hard to explain exactly because what it is, he's closing the distance. He's closing the distance between you and like the character by not like if you like start like Daniel Playview. It's just like he's otherworldly. That's like why we like appreciate that performance because it transforms into someone in history that is like this actual character that like we've never met. Blah blah. blah. But when you strip all that away, you're closing the distance between like you know awe between you and the uh, viewer, and so. I just think that's, like, powerful. I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed in that, but there's a way of thinking about it that when you come in with the right concepts and you watch the movie, it's, like, unreal what he's doing. Because you have to yeah. really look. You have to look yeah, in ways you, have you didn't to, have that's to That's what before. I'm saying. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. 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 I think so, that we're anyway. on the same page about that. Yeah, he did. I mean, it was amazing. His performance was incredible, but you're right. It's very subtle um, mm-hmm. because that's how you have to play a character that's, kind of that stripped down to its fundamentals for sure okay so what's a movie we've all seen what, what's the movie you've seen jacob uh name the nominees again i'll tell you what i haven't seen you have you've seen lady seen bird. call me by your name I've seen i haven't lady seen bird. lady bird but i saw dunkirk have you seen dunkirk jacob we also we also dunkirk. We also dunkirk. We, dunkirk we can talk about dunkirk i love dunkirk i think um i think it's christopher nolan's best movie it's probably this is why dunkirk, because it's not even a question movies, it's like definitely yeah. his best movie yeah, I mean, it would the reason be, why I think it would be like fanciful to say anything else was better than that. Yeah, like it's well, in his unless repertoire. You really like Batman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. You could you can make arguments for other of his movies, but I would say that why I like this one the most is because usually what's like the, the signature of Nolan's movies is that he like wants to overcomplicate things, or not even overcomplicate, but he wants to like introduce these like really cerebral kind of concepts and yeah. just devices that you know it's like inception it's like in the words in, of lil john yeah, for sure. themes like and concepts and shit yeah yeah totally. so um this is a movie where instead of in- like injecting um like really cerebral stuff he's like using the dimensionality of film to like make his effect which is like already present and that's by limiting your information you know it's the camera like on a cinematographic level what you're thinking about is like, okay, where I move this camera means like what the audience can see and what they can't see. And like he explodes yeah. that very basic fundamental concept into an actual movie about war and that you can't ever see the enemy. And that's not like him introducing a crazy concept in the movie, just like using. You literally cannot, like, especially yeah. during that time when you're just getting, you're on a beach getting attacked by planes. He captures the tension and the horror of that. And he does so it by clearly. not showing yeah. the enemy. It's not like the Germans are I don't coming. Think you you see don't a know German anything. In the don't. entire movie. You don't. Yeah, yeah. The idea is that it's just the enemy. Like, yeah. that's how he introduces it. It's yeah. Like the, and, and like the yeah, idea. It's awesome. Yeah. So it's like he, he, what he does is by like, um, generalizing what's happening instead of saying the German forces like the enemy is a like um, it's just a higher order concept it's sure, just like yeah. yeah it's a generalization and so all you just it's not like you're thinking about the nationality the specifics of the enemy it's just you're thinking about the concept of enemy yes someone who's after you and then he lays that into the dimensionality of film where you actually can't like he just it, he just like places it right behind the four walls of the totally. camera and so and well, yeah and i, I also think, think mm-hmm. yeah you can finish your thought oh 
No, you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say that I think that what you're what you're kind of referencing there also plays into the way that um, the script works. Like, there's like very little dialogue for a Christopher Nolan movie, right? Yeah, and because he doesn't uh, have to explain anything, he doesn't have to like. Oh my introduce god! And it was, it, it, dude. The one thing that I can't stand about Christopher Nolan is his exposition. Right, it really, really. In- Interstellar is the worst. About <laughs> that. No, yeah. well, Interstellar the, the, the. is the worst. The last scene in Batman, uh, ba- uh, the last Batman, Dark Knight Rises. Right, the last scene in Dark Knight Rises. No, I'm pretty sure the title terrible. of the movie was The Last uh, Batman. Much, yeah, the last Batman movie, and then also, I mean, the way that the first season of Westworld ends. Right, I mean, it's just like that. That kind of like exposition is. It it detracts from his filmmaking so much for me that it I, detracts from the like the audience's intelligence. It's just like well, you also it's well, insulting also, in the same way like Mother. Was. What's Having, very frustrating is that like for example, Interstellar. I really really enjoy the movie Interstellar until the last twenty minutes of that movie, right? Like yeah, I enjoy that movie minutes, when they don't talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly what I'm saying. So someone went to Christopher Nolan and goes. Listen, man, you couldn't pass a freshman year screenwriting class, but you really like to make things look cool. Do you want to make a movie where most of what you're doing is just showing the cool shit? Right? And I mean, I don't mean that to be like... Um, that would I don't be really mean cool. That... Interstellar with no dialogue. Make it, like, yeah, a, it would be an amazing cut. movie. Much better movie. It would be movie. fucking amazing movie. What are you talking about? It wouldn't and, be a hard fan well, I, cut, the problem, the problem is that like, if having like written, like tried to write a movie before, like there are like, things that you as like the writer like i don't know how to get this across like i it's a puzzle it's but like good it's not filmmakers insulting. figure out ways to do that without like heavy exposition oh no i'm saying it's a problem yeah i agree yeah. it's just like sometimes you have like i need this thing to be communicated but it's so Absolute. complex but like i love its complexity because it's beautiful that com- like sometimes the complexity of your idea is just like incommensurable with being able to write Weirdly, with, with I feel me, like, like Memento doesn't go off the yeah. deep end with that if we're talking about Christopher Nolan movies. Wait, like, what? I said weirdly, I feel like Memento, which is like arguably the most complex of his movies, doesn't like go off the deep end with exposition. Yeah, Memento's great. I mean, Memento's a great movie because he doesn't really have to explain what's happening. Right. Like, the mo- movie itself explains it to you. And that and it, that's, it's, it's his, another way of I using think his actual director. I mean, that's like showing and not like telling stuff. Exploring, that's just like fun to, exploring know? concepts like that. Without like his actual directorial talent is using the medium of film to explain something in a way that no other medium effectively could. Like you said, using the dimensionality of film, yeah, to to develop these concepts. And his biggest like not failures, but like his failures as a director, not his, not that the movies are failures, are of that overexposition. That and Dunkirk is such a success because D- it Dunkirk just is just like the opposite of, of that. Do you know what I mean? Like Dunkirk, yeah. the only, and it's really funny. I only groaned once, which is uh, uh, not very much for me in a Christopher Nolan movie. I often have <laughs> moments of just like, oh my fucking God. Right. Um, but like, there's only one moment where they go, the king wanted 30,000. Well, he got 300,000. Like, it was just like this kind of like very t- cheesy, like um, uh, yeah. PBS, PBS history special moment. Too, yeah. Like, but at the same time, triumph. but actually, I, but actually, I really loved the, I mean, the way that it ends when he finishes reading that speech and they show 
show the plane on fire with Tom Hardy getting taken away, right? And then they do that last little shot of the main uh, uh, army soldier on the train. They just show his face for yeah. one last minute, like him taking a breath to like start like the next thing he says. And then the movie ends. That's beautiful. That's absolutely perfect. But the thing is that this movie was so much more effective for me than all of the other Christopher Nolan stuff, just because like, I mean, it just cut down on um, this like forced complicated dialogue, right? He's not playing. He's not hiding the ball in Dunkirk. The one argument against that though is like, I would say the one argument against that is like the way that time works in the movie, how there's three people or there's three, I guess, I don't know what you call it. Just, there's, there are three situations happening, yeah. um, and they're like three they're sets happening of protagonists or something. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, right. And the way that like is all spliced that confused some people, which I thought was kind of surprising that could confuse people. But what I, I, thought, I mean, I, I the argument for that is like, bit, but, yeah. yeah, but you get into it, and exactly. I think the the argument for you could think that's like elaborate and like unnecessary. But what I I like about it is that it kind of explains the or like it it produces the labyrinth of war in a way that it's would be difficult in another medium. And I want to talk briefly before, cause I, again, I don't think we should spend too much time oh, on right, one yeah. movie, but I do want to talk yeah. briefly about like why this movie is radically different. I think than every other movie in this Oscars lineup. Well, it, it's like the big, it's like the most blockbustery, but it's also movies. like the least it's it has no like real, like I don't think it carries any real social message. No, I don't think so either. But, like, some movies don't either. Like, I don't think shape... I mean, I guess you could, like, make an argument for Shape of Water being, like, having a social message. Not having a social... You could make the argument <laughs> like it has a social... Being, socially unconscious, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you could make... Have you guys seen that movie? I haven't. What was I that? I, I'm sorry, you cut out. I missed what you said. He's asking if you've seen The Shape of Water. I haven't seen The Shape of Water. Yeah, so, like, I guess you could make an argument of, like, the, it's about the other... You have you get now talk about Shape of Water. You go on about Shape of Water for a second. I have a I have like f- like we'll just link his review in the uh, yeah. In the I'll show just notes. I'll just put it brief that like this movie probably is gonna win Best Picture. Nah. Really? And, yeah, that's what that's what five thirty eight had it the last time I checked. And, it's so uh, frustrating. I mean, like, listen, like Del Toro, he's a cool dude. He's like, oh no, really... I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying. No, that's I know, I know. It comes from a voting split. You know what I mean? Like that just be that the same thing happened at the Grammys, right? But like, I don't know if it's a happen- voting split. It's because he's like, it's won like Best Picture and like all the other previous award shows. It's like racking it up crazy. How strange. They're, okay. Yeah. yeah, I think what the reason. I mean, I don't know why. I honestly F- fish dildos, dude. Fish dildos. Fish dildos. Like a, yeah. Yeah. I, fish dildos. I it's guess it's, a, it's like sex. it's socially conscious in the sense that like it's bringing furry pornography to the forefront of the American <laughs> film watching. Precisely. Content. Okay, really but in that way, furry like if you're into fish, yeah, it's still furry. It's still, no, <laughs> okay. It's, okay. It's, furries are about animals. That. Yeah, furries Jacob, are about our animals. resident, yeah. Jacob, our resident furry. Letting you can have amphibious it. furries. It's a thing. Um, really. Yeah, it's just about like we call them we call them platypuses. Humanity, <laughs> and not all not all furries are into sex. That's the other thing. It's not all about sex. I don't know. You could go look at there's like what is a furry dot com or something. You could check it out. <laughs> I have. I checked it out. Welcome I wanted to, Codex to know West, your favorite furry That's pornography like the way that or my not pornography. Would search to find out what a furry is. <laughs> what is a furry dot com? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> 
but maybe it is i don't know i guess because what happens is um i can't remember his name right now but the um fishman.com no the uh the supporting <laughs> actor god i can't think of his name but like the um the main girl i can't oh, it's so sally hawkins like her whoever yeah. her i it's so embarrassing i can't remember his name Mike, but you're talking about michael is it michael no Williams no or? no um i guess i could look it up real quick doug um, jones michael shannon Michael Shape. Shannon is the one that I was Yeah, I mean, of. he's in it. Yeah. Uh, who I mean to say is... Oh, my God. Sorry, guys. Doug Jones uh, is the fish man, isn't he? I don't know. Doug well, Jones like is the fish. Doug sure. Jones is the fish. <laughs> yeah. Richard Jenkins. That's yeah, Richard who I Jenkins, meant. Ri- yeah. This whole time. All right, so Richard Jenkins, and you're right, Doug Jones is. But Richard Jenkins is, like, a gay guy, and, like, there's this, like, subplot of him, like, trying to, like, hook up with this dude at the the deli or whatever it is like the, the, the diner <laughs> and so like that's like, like that's a whole subplot it's not like a scene it's a subplot it's, a sub, it's plot b it's about, it's plot it's about b. richard jenkins trying to hook up with a guy at a deli <laughs> like <laughs> feature a diner gay furry porn wins yeah. the oscar they're not even like at a right. bar they're like ordering sandwiches and trying to get to the bathroom <laughs> to bang what are you talking about I'd like so, okay salami let, I'll, I'll, let me spell it out there's three plots happening there there's, there's Sally Hawkins fucking the fish dude. There's this Russian subplot of like they don't want to kill like uh, Michael Stolberg. He's like a Russian agent who doesn't want the fish to die. He's like compassionate, but he's working with the Russians, but he's a Russian spy. And so there's this Russian. He gets caught. The Russians kill him. And then there's this the, is a classic the, case of like your porn has too much. I'm not plot. joking. This is the movie. And then there's Richard Jenkins who's like trying to hook up with the diner dude, but like he's like get off. I don't want to fuck you. <laughs> And, I'm sorry, and those are like best, this is the best explanation of a movie plot I've ever heard. If, you, all if these I three were things a film are happening and somebody just came in and goes like woman fucks a fish, Richard Jenkins trying to bang a guy at a deli, Russians don't want to kill the fish, I'd be like take all my money, let's get this done. I don't know, you might like this movie. <laughs> I might like voice. this movie. <laughs> Actually, I might like this movie now. <laughs> <laughs> But you have all these three plots, and so it's clearly about, like, forbidden love, even, like, in, like, a, you know, global Cold War context. I don't know exactly what's happening, but all I know is that the way that she falls in love with this fish is makes me think that Del Toro has never been in love in his life. And in the fact that everyone is... Except with fish. According to, according you know to Guillermo I mean, like, Del Toro, any like, two people that speak the same language should fall in love. The thing is, is like, the fish doesn't... That's so funny. <laughs> Alright, you got me. <laughs> you got me. Try to keep it real, you got me. <laughs> the memes got true. me. Yeah, but, they got yeah me. I mean, like, the linguistic universe that these characters share is like ten words. Which I would like put into, I would put into analogy with like children, like infants or dogs. You know, it's like okay, it's cool you can like communicate, but like, and it's cool you can love someone, but is it right? Like, is it to fuck a fish? Is it right to fuck a fish? Yeah, does that like that does? I don't think that justifies. And the reason is, it's like has something to do with like how consent is made, and I don't think that like. Just be, it's like, yeah, like if this, like a dog tries to suck my dick, it's like, it's like, I don't think he's giving oh, wow. consent uh, to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he just wants like, to get the peanut butter off of daddy. Yeah. I don't, I don't, 
This is this is peak Codex right now. Yeah. Talking <laughs> you dog may not jobs, like it, but this is what peak Codex Wes looks. Like. I mean, that's but that's like the question this movie plays into me is like if like like because this is what happens. She's in the bath or like one of them is in the bathtub and the fish just starts grabbing her breast after they've like had like she's taught him like five words yeah, after she's done nice. to say hello. No, basically, like, are you okay? Like, it's yeah. shit like that. So then he starts grabbing her breast, and she's like, no. And then he does it again, and she's like, okay. And then they <laughs> fuck. And it's so, to me, it's like, okay, like, that can, like, that situation, I imagine, can happen with, like, young children who don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Like, or, like, dogs or, like, animals who, like, just don't understand, like, I mean, like, you. that's a, that's a, I guess an interesting argument because it has something to do with like how consent is formed. Yeah, and also like sexual exploration, I guess, which is a theme of two of the other like nominees. Yeah, because there's better movies about sexual exploration. For Lady sure. Bird like, and Call Me by Your Name. Call Me by Your Name is ways. an exceptional movie about sexual exploration. Um, this movie to me is interest. It raises the most interesting question because it's like if people are lauding this movie, but at the same time there's this Me Too movement that's all about like. How, how consent is formed yeah then it's like i don't think these people are like fairly honest about bringing their ethics the to the movie theater because yeah. what's happening in this movie is in my opinion sally hawkins raping a fish it's not even having sex <laughs> but think about it it's like it's like the reason why we have consent is because we need to like have acknowledgement at like of, you know it's at like at least like intellectual uh, evenness. They're, yeah, they're, so it's like you, you okay, have, if like you a, have to be on even footing with if someone. A, if a priest like says, "Do you want to suck my dick?" to a kid, and he says yes, and then he grows up and he realizes like, "Oh, that was, wait, yeah. yeah, that was awful." Right? Because like they don't like if you don't have a full like grasp on language, you don't exactly and like when, once you get that full grasp on language, you can you get a full grasp on sh- concepts like shame, yeah, and embarrassment and misery. Um, if you don't have those concepts yet, you might not know what you're doing. And that's why we have consent because it can like be damaging in ways that the person who seems to be assenting is doesn't realize. Right. And that's what's happening in this movie. It's like, they're just like Sally Hawkins has a full grasp on language and she's teaching language to this fish. Mind you, she's She's well aware that the fish does not not have a grasp on language. Yeah. And also is well aware that it is a fish. Exactly. (laughs) And the first word is fuck. and they fuck and they fuck fuck. it's like they have sex so much that like at one scene like they don't realize the water is like they keep the water on and it's like flooding the room that they're having sex in and like richard jenkins comes to see what's happening because water's going everywhere and the door busts or whatever and he can see that they've been fucking and he just like smiles (laughs) and he's like oh she found love and it's like so i get it it's like like imagine if there was like an if there was an so if there was like a movie where like the fish could talk fluently, but they were still like, you know, it would fish. be a different. They were still yeah, a fish. It, <laughs> what did it? I what get it's it would really be like. Other. What it is really like. I think the most like apt parallel would be um, whoever the trainer was for Coco the gorilla. If they fell in love and had sex, if they made a movie about that, probably wouldn't go over so well. That's actually oh yeah. As as funny as that is, it's actually completely true. That's like that's, literally what the movie's about. And so. that's what it's about. Yeah, it's just yeah. if you put Coco the gorilla in a fish tank, <laughs> is it somehow okay? Like Yeah, if, if, if Coco is a fish. <laughs> you know, just like Mark asked, maybe it's the 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 furriness, you know, if an animal isn't furry, it can consent. 
Like, what if the? It's like <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm so done. I'm so done with this. I'm so done. I'm so done with this. But Jeez. okay, so what's another movie we could go into? Um, tell tell can, me what you think of Call Me by Your Name. I haven't seen it yet, and I've like uh, I haven't seen. I'm it not. I'm not. I'm not like skeptical of it. Or is not the way I'd want to put it. What I'd like to say nah, is man, that it's an amazing. Movie. I mean, there was an is incredible really? movie about gay people last yeah, year. Yeah, of course. Too. It's um, it's very well paced, framed, super tender. Uh, it's super cool, like as in collected about yeah. like its emotionality. It doesn't like bust into like sentimental moments like often. The, it deserves them. The, one of the male leads was also in Lady Bird. Yeah, Wasn't, Timothy was, Chalet yeah. or whatever his name he's is. He's great. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, I mean, he's like up for best uh, actor. Yeah, that, um, kid, that kid's going to get so much work. <laughs> Everybody yeah. loves him. Right oh, now. yeah. He, well, he's great because he's just like unusual, but also like in a way that feels very authentic. Yeah. Um, yeah. He feels like the age he's portraying, um, which generally sometimes there's problems with in movies. But um, I think Michael Stilbarg's scene is, like, amazing. Um, there's, like, this one monologue he gives that's, like, so good. It's, like, worth the movie itself. Um, but I'm not so in love with it, like most people. I think it's a great movie. Or I think it's a good movie. I keep saying this in our podcast where it's like, oh, it's a good movie. It's not a great, and this is why. Um, I think that, so the movie has this approach, it does this approach where it's like the very realistic, like realism approach where, um, it's very slow and it, it just sort of just shows you moments and, um, there's a way which, because it's not like, it's, how do I put this? It, when you subdue your movie so much, like you have to like bank on the substantial scenes a lot, right? Like if you like your movie's very mm-hmm. slow or whatever, but like you have you still need to introduce like wowza moments. It still needs to like have highs, and I don't know. I don't think it did it enough, or maybe there just wasn't like just enough drama for me. But um, I just think it could have been a little more dramatic, maybe. I don't know. I don't wouldn't want to change it. I think maybe for the it just like that whole idea of this movie probably just could never be like a great movie. Maybe I don't know. Do you guys? What do you guys think about that? Like, are there certain movie ideas that just like? Do you think a director could take any movie idea and like make it a great movie? I would have I th- to see Call Me by Your Name to I think to completely understand the question <clears throat> that you're trying to ask because like I think conceptually it's a like a beautiful movie. Yeah. Like just what I know about the movie, I think it's like on paper it's a great movie it's a it's a it it might be a great movie. i don't think movies have to be exciting though i don't think i'm not saying exciting so yeah. much as like i just feel like there was no i understand it, exactly it was almost too it was almost too like distant or something like it was like, like two slice of life like that's what i kind of mean or? yeah it, not even yeah it was just like you know what it is probably it's that it's the movie takes place in italy and it's like it's kind of just using. And Johnny like, the hates Italy, <laughs> like, ah. just, <laughs> dude. If it was, if I was in this town, I would love it. But I think what it is is like when you like he. It's like a lot of it's just like the beauty of Italy or like the beauty of like classical beauty and mm-hmm. like yeah. um, it's very sensual. Um, like that's like great. Um, but it's it just feels a little like okay, relying on that a little too much. I think. Yeah, I think I'll put it this way: it, of the, like the Academy Award winner lineups, like of the, the all the nominees, it's if I had seen none of them, it would probably be the one that I'd be excited to see first. I, I yeah, I think it, it might be. 
it's like up there in the top three in the best movies in this category for sure. Yeah. Like this is like a really like minor. This is something more philosophical than it is like. I don't. I wouldn't change anything about the movie. It's yeah. just like it didn't have that effect on me. Maybe I need like more directorial input or like the problem is like I watch a movie like if I watch like Hoshio Shen movies, they're very they. The way they're constructed, I think, is what makes it work, even though it's the same sort of, like, restrained, like, mm-hmm. just, like, watching kind of style. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think that's what it was. It was, like, you can have that, but then you can also, like, put yourself into the movie more by just the way you construct the things that you decide to look on. Yeah. And, like, this movie does really unusual things, scenes I've never seen before, and that's what makes it really great. But it also just felt kind of like... Uh, like I just wasn't so awed by it. Like I wasn't thinking about it the next day or anything. Um, That's fair. But mm-hmm. I, I, anyone who really did have like, like it, this movie had an impression on them, I would understand. Like it, I think it's just a, a product of me having seen movies that take this approach like a lot, and then like, but them doing it a little differently that like, it, like elevates it. But it's hard to explain. Yeah. It, no, um, I think I actually about, do understand um, what you're getting at. Uh, like, just to say, I think that you, I, I, I kind of apprehended what you were getting at. And just to like briefly answer the question that you pose, like, can are certain ideas like incapable of achieving a particular greatness? Right? Like in the yeah. sense of in the cinema world. And I, my like relatively short answer is that that depends on the clarity of the concept and i don't mean to say that like the clearer the concept the better the movie will be i mean to say that like if what you are trying to do is tell a relatively simple story right then i think that there is a lot of room to expand on that in the cinematic sense and maybe make a great movie right the more that you kind of um uh create like a rigid vision the more likely it's going to be problematic i would say are you guys chuckling at me? Are you laughing right now? No, what is going no, on? No, I just heard you guys. Something just kind of happened in the background. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't need to talk about You'll, it. Uh, you might see it in post. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about Lady Bird because um, I think it's probably the closest in, in terms of subject matter to Call Me By Your Name if we're just trying to approach it from that perspective. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's like also, domestic in a way. It's, yeah. It's very – It has that same – I think it has some – I mean, not having seen Call Me By Your Name, I think from what you described, it has some similar sensibilities about you're just, like, kind of watching a, yeah. a quieter slice of life. This is probably why I like Lady Bird more, is because it, like, you can feel Greta Gerwig in it. Yeah, and, and you also, not, you, like, relate to it. You're not, like, a, you've never had, like, a young gay lover, so, like, it may not speak to you personally. But I'm I mean, also not, like a, never I'm not a daughter to a mother, either. But you have a sister. Yeah, but and I you have like watched friends. her go through this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but you like walk, you're a lot closer to like. Your I don't. Sister. It's not the subject matter. The subject matter really? is what like makes "Call Me by Your Name" very great because it's so forbidden and like difficult in a sure. way. It's not forbidden even. It's like just super difficult. The negotiation mm-hmm. of finding because they don't they don't both don't ever talk about their being gay or anything. Uh-huh. It's like they're negotiate. They they catch little signals uh-huh. and like so so you're forced to like watch into the signals and the way they negotiate their love is like like beautiful it's like amazing so i'm not it's not that it's like why i like ladybird more just like okay if i think about it the first thing i think about is like when i watched ladybird i cried you know i didn't cry to call me by your name and like it's because like sometimes i understand the restraint because it's like something of like a like classical artistic value Mm -hmm. um but we're also kind of a different era i think and 
packing your movie with like intelligence and wit, but also like constructed in a way where, you know, you start to care about the characters and when they go through something difficult, like you feel it. Like that, like when she's like, when the mom drives back in that movie. You yeah. Know, like when she's like, leaves her at the airport and she's like, no, I need to go. And she runs and she, she's gone already. Yeah. It's like that, like made me cry. Like because it, it was so passionate it was like Greta girl was like this is like like she so wanted that to be so emotional and she did everything she could to bring that because what she's also bringing is like yes this is it's the same thing as call me by your name but it's like a relationship that's like not as much talked about yeah in film and mother this, and daughter yeah this mother daughter one was like so real to life to me about like jada yeah for sure um and it made me understand it more but it was also it just wasn't like a like a lesson. It wasn't didactic. It no, was, not at all. It was it's just like about a thing. Yeah, and it was just it was it just what a beautiful movie. It's just yeah, it just like it, no assumptions. It never like it I think what it was it was so focused on like making the beauty happen between like the difficulties that the characters are going through rather than like some like I guess sometimes there's some montages that are like her like real like directorial stamp but yeah mostly it's just like a like a well shot and well paced fun super funny movie that carries you but then really relies on the characters working i want i do want to talk about the pacing though because i think the pacing of the movie is like part of what makes it so great Mm -hmm. and it's you have these like really flashy like jump cuts that just things are happening so fast that it, it sort of like brings you back to when you were that age and you remember like there are there are parts of that movie that are so short that like are some of the most important parts of your life that or they feel that way at the time yeah and then there's like longer stretches of just like conversation and it's just like that sort of mastery of like how time feels when you're young when everything's just so fucking crazy especially at the end of like your senior year yeah Yeah. oh yeah it's crazy it's nuts because everything's happening all at once and you're like trying to get into schools and there's just so much going on in your life and the movie captures that so brilliantly by really like i'm sure it's like very careful choices were made by the director but it feels like it just doesn't give a shit about what's happening because it's all happening at the same time huh yeah that's interesting um it's like linear but the the actual like progress of time in that movie is so it's if you tried to put it on a timeline it would just be part like there are just segments that are so much closer together and it's just jumping all over the place but it's like also you you are completely in the moment with Greta Gerwig. I think that's a great way of saying like it felt like my the it just last it felt, semester it feels like your senior, senior year. year. Yeah. yeah, it really does. And the pa- you're right, the pacing really does do that. It also like it's interesting the descent from like high school theater to like the cool kids. Yeah, it's something like I experienced, and uh-huh. I think like she must have experienced because that feels very much like she. How did even she got betrayed by the gay guy because she didn't know he was gay, right? And like she was lying to him, or he was lying to her, correct? And then from there, it's like she had this experience where she loved someone that she got her heart broken, yeah. And um, that led her to like the dark side, (laughs) 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 and that's like something like you see a lot in high school, and I like imagine she must have gone through, and it felt and like that, but it also feels very movie like. Like take it away from like if I if I didn't. If I wasn't relating that to my own experience, if I was just watching it as a movie, it would feel like, oh, now she's going to explore this part because that's yeah. what. And, but b- 
because of that, it's really interesting. Like she found a part of your life that feels like a movie. Yeah. And then just it's it's because and it feels that way. I think because that part of your life in retrospect is so obvious. If you look back, yeah. it was just like you always knew what you were gonna do next. You were gonna do whatever the fuck you wanted to. Right. Yeah. Like, it was the and that's the that was the beauty of the movie. It just encapsulates that experience so perfectly. I don't know that I've seen another movie where I feel like it's a part of my life. So back to I mean? New York, you didn't feel that way. Well, I mean, <laughs> part of my whole life. <laughs> I haven't lived my whole life yet. Yeah, so. so I haven't lived my whole life and also everyone's life yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, so I think that was an interesting. T- I haven't heard that take on Lady Bird, so I really like that. Um, what haven't we talked about? We yet? haven't talked about three billboards, but we've kind of done a podcast. We've done. We did on a that. whole episode on yeah, three so billboards, I so I don't want to like give it too much screen time because um, we could easily talk more about it. But it's it's great. It's I like would say my uh, favorite of the ones that's. Up. I think the only one we haven't talked about is the post, which I saw. Uh, I think it's basically forgettable. What I'll say about it is like, so you guys know, like you've watched like like Spielberg's most recent movies, they're like overly Hollywood. Yeah, they're like yeah. almost that's campy. Like what he is now. They're almost yeah. can't. It's like yeah. he takes it so far. It's almost. Um, when the script is right, it can be beautiful. I think Lincoln is a masterpiece, um, mostly due because the script is written in a way that, I mean, it's a great script. The dialogue is amazing, but then his over Hollywoodness on this like actually well written movie elevates, like it, it puts you in a weird space in terms of like the celebration of Lincoln, um. Because it's like obviously this is like way too much in a way. It's yeah. like way too much of a movie. Yeah. But then the script feels like it's also like definitely a movie, but it's so smart that it like encapsulates the intelligence of Lincoln. And then you get kind of caught in this way. It's like, oh, okay. So maybe this over Hollywood kind of style is actually like, it, you know, it's just like it makes you have questions about like yeah, the sure. movie and its approach. But the post is just like, it's the script. This is actually the only movie I haven't even heard of. I have no idea what this movie's about. So it's about like um, the uh, the Pentagon Papers. Basically, it was like there were these papers. Some guy wrote a (laughs) 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 papers five sides. You fucking get it. I'll just I'll make it easy. It's about the Washington Post debating whether they want to publish something that the. White House, like, well, I, I mean, I actually them. like, yeah, it does. Not, we don't need to get into it, really. Yeah. It's more, it's like, that's the idea. And so, that what it is is that, um, it's it, the whole point of the movie is that it's timely. It's like, because, like, the White House right now is fighting with the press so much that Didn't like, they let's also, go back like, in history. They also, like, rushed to production for the post. Like, I, I had read that the whole idea is that movie went through development and production in like a year and a half. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, it kind of feels really, that way, though. Really fast, right? Um, because yeah. the whole idea is that Spielberg and, like, you know, whatever uh, whatever studio made the movie, they got interested in making it specifically because of its timeliness in relationship to uh, Trump's relationship with the media, right? Which um, is hilarious because the movie itself, like, one of my criticisms is, like, it doesn't have to be, t- like, its timeliness is never explored in a real way. It like you have this concept, this fight, and then like the inside the movie, the fight itself is just like kind of just doesn't relate in a way, or like it's not explored in a way that would like hint at. That's so what's happening. interesting. That's so interesting because also just to say, like I know all about the Pentagon Papers because I've had to read in law school like tons of cases, multiple cases um, about 
surrounding the release of the Pentagon Papers and what occurred before, during, and after their publication. And so it's like very, it's a very important story to anybody who like, you know, is interested in press law and media law. Right. But the thing is that, um, that's, uh, disappointing that it doesn't translate that same way that they didn't approach it like that. Like you said, there's this one line that's hilarious though, or like Tom Hanks, who's like fun in the movie. He keeps being like, the only way to assert the right to publish is to publish. Like he says it all oh the time. God, so I, I started saying that in my real life to people, just like <laughs> unprovoked. <laughs> I, mean, hey, I, I was like one time, like Jake was like going out to work. I was like, hey man, have a good day at work. And remember the only way to assert the right to publish is to publish. <laughs> it's like a good salutation. <laughs> it is. It yeah. definitely is. It's, it's like a well-laid And remember, kids. It's great. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, so basically whatever. the movie. And then we – and no one saw – I didn't see Darkest Hour because to me it just seems like so much of just like a vehicle for Gary Oldman to win the it's like uh, all Academy it, Award. It, oh, that's the, the fact that Daniel Day-Lewis is going to win it. Right? Like. <laughs> I don't think so. I think Gary is the front runner, not DDL. On, DDL. I guess DDL has enough. Like, because it's just... like again, it's just like transformative. Like that's the. I don't know. Well, I think yeah, acting I ethics that. is I like also, people don't want to talk about it. Yeah, it's transformative like... in the sense they fucking put jowls on Gary Oldman. Like, <laughs> 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 and the award goes to the jowls. <laughs> <laughs> it's transformative in the same way Norbit was. I yeah. guess. <laughs> Incredible. Darkest Hour. So fuck Darkest yeah, Hour. So, but. See all the it. movies we that we talked about that we liked and don't see the ones that we didn't like and you'll agree with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Exist in a vacuum devoid of real criticism and you too <laughs> can be a great person. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, it, So just in summation, like, I don't... I think it's just like this... I don't know exactly what this like nomination list is trying to say about how we're watching movies right now or like what movies we esteem because they're like, they're just to me, these were like pretty much the only movies that got out in a real way anyway. Yeah. It's like, uh, my favorite movie was good time. And like, I didn't even like, it was nowhere to be found because it's just whatever. Like, it's not like it was super big. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it just seems like these were the biggest movies, and they got put in. It wasn't like anyone got snubbed. This does not seem like a, it doesn't like seem like a carefully curated list, but it seems like kind of an obvious one. Yeah, it's like we had to fill the roster, so throw Darkest Hour in the post in there and call it a day. I know, right? Yeah. So I, I wish there was some like big like lesson I could learn, or like you know from like these. I wish I had some like con like there's just, no like, a like take on it, but commonality like no universal commonality between all of these movies not I, not that there should be for any like well i, I actually i actually but... would venture to say that like all of the movies together you can there's a political reading of all of the movies is the one thing they, yeah they definitely there paint, is like, a picture, yeah except i don't it's... know what the political reading of shape of water is yeah and it's probably gonna win or dunkirk what's yeah, or dunkirk. well du- well dunkirk i think is also 
how do I put this? I don't know. Dunkirk might. We have shouldn't a get to that message, point. Where but we're yeah, in yeah, yeah. No, you're actually. <laughs> right. yeah, so we bad. shouldn't go down this whole hole. But I would, yeah. I would venture to say that there's a political reading of even Dunkirk. Um, but Maybe, I always thought but that Dunkirk the shape of water made, like, was supposed to be the last five years. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Either way, but yeah, I mean, maybe The Shape of Water just, you know, being a whole, like, fish just fetish movie sound. is no, not I think exactly maybe, wait. political. <laughs> no, I guess maybe just because it's, like, a female character as a protagonist. Like, it could be that. I don't know, like, uh, Lady Bird, The Post, Shape of Water, um, but then Three Billboards, not, Phantom Thread. Woman? Those are all, like, movies that have, like, like protagonistic female characters. Yeah. So For sure. maybe that's it. I don't, But it's just funny because it's not, like, none of these movies really are about like uh harassment which i think will be like the next wave i think in 2019 we'll be talking about some other political message but like the movies about harassment will have been made so it'll be staggered um but like i said i just think shape of water is actually the exact opposite message and it's gonna win and like to me it's like (laughs) this like super maybe that cheesy (laughs) contradiction this hypocrisy that people like are unwilling to like think deeply about because i think at the end of the day at the end of the day, it probably has something to do with, like, how people don't want to engage in animal rights. That's my – I think, like, you don't want to deeply <laughs> yeah. think about you, – if you don't, like – that's you don't want to think about the fish fucking. It always, always leads <laughs> here, man. We I always know. get here. We always get here. I just think I can't it's not like – I just think it's like a pescatarian too. movie. You know what I mean? Like, no, it kind of is, though, in this way because, like <laughs> – Oh my god! Oh my god! You can't god. see me stop because it. this is a you podcast that I just slumped in my chair. <laughs> you stop it! Jesus. All right, let's. Uh, I guess let's... one one day we'll just have to do an actual animal rights episode so like we can like flush this fucking right observation. Down the toilet. <laughs> Get this out of our system. Like a fish, yeah. It's time to <laughs> it's time to flush this podcast down the toilet like the goldfish that you wanted to fuck. Anyway, oh, <laughs> you know what we need to do is like a less serious topic. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what then, fish fucking? <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's very serious. All right, someone, so, if someone could listen to this entire podcast and uh, like put a counter for how many times we mentioned fish fucking, that'd be great. But uh, yeah, I'd, until I'd like then, to we we're gonna get into our uh, recommendaciones. Recommendaciones. The hot recommendaciones authenticantes. Recommendaciones. Oh. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with mine first while you guys think about yours. And mine might mm-hmm. also be Mark's. And if it's not Mark's, it's going to be a different cookbook. But it's, it's uh, like almost I'll, I'll do the other one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll talk about Hawker Fair. You'll talk about Pock Pock then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, okay. Jacob and so, I have the same idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just got a copy of. So uh, for those of you that don't know, I used to one of my one of my very good friends is a, a extremely talented uh, Lao cook. And I really miss his food a lot. I used to live with him. Um, so this book came out uh, either this year or last year. It's called Hawker Fair. And it's like the only of like, of it's a, it's an Anthony Bourdain like sponsored cookbook. And, yeah. I think uh, that they, I think he has a publishing company now. Is yeah. I think on. so. Yeah. And it's like the, uh, the like modernist like Lao food cookbook, but it's not modern at all. It's just like completely like, ancient Lao recipes that are incredible like the food zero is so, pretension like it's, zero yeah pretension. none whatsoever it's like you can cook every recipe in this book if you have like a clay mortar and pestle it's all it takes like and the food is so incredible it's so like the flavors are just like so honest and real you have just like super briny like funky fermented fish 
and really bright citrus. You have like papaya salad with every meal and sticky rice. And then a lot of it is like, a lot of it's kind of spooky stuff. That's like kind of, you would think that it would be very offensive. Like a lot of the soups in the book contain like beef bile, but Mark and I had a conversation about this earlier, but like even the rest of the components of the, the recipes with the spooky ingredients, like balance out to make all, all of the, like, if you look at all of the dishes on paper, it looks like they would taste like shrimp that's been left out in the sun for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, some, for for some like bizarre reason, these Laotian alchemists have like found a way to transmute, you know, six month old fish paste into like pure deliciousness and depth for of sure. flavor. So, and Hawker Fair is just like a complete exploration of that cuisine of Lao cuisine of Laoisan cuisine, which is like Laos immigrants to Thailand. Of some, yeah. There's some Thai recipes in there. It's incredible. I would recommend it to everybody. Um, if for no other reason than like getting exposure to the cuisine of Laos, because it's kind of like, uh, it, it's not at the forefront of like anybody's culinary mind. I don't think. Yeah. It wasn't on it. Yo, I had, I didn't know and it deserves about to be. it. it I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about Lao cuisine. Um, and then I think people just forget Laos exists. <laughs> well, yeah, I, th- I don't think people know where Laos is. But, I mean, the thing is that when you read the book, you realize that uh, Lao cuisine is also distinct from Thai, Vietnamese, and Chinese cuisine and Cambodian cuisine, right? Completely, like it's yeah. Sep- it's, it's totally separate. But at the same time, it's influenced by all of those. Like, you know, there's a Laotian recipe It's like the, it's like the Jerusalem of, of, like, Southeast Asia in terms yeah, of... Exa- like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, for sure. It is where it's just a complete product um, of its like neighbors, but it just elevates that cuisine and, and, you know, transmutes it into in completely novel ways. Yeah. Into something really unique. Um, Yeah. And so, okay, so uh, I have also read Hawker Fair and I would recommend that to anybody as well. But I am going to uh, I'm going to champion a um, like what you almost might call like the companion cookbook to Hawker Fair. Like Hawker Fair I think is the Hawker Fair and this book I'm about to talk about as a as a pair are like all you need for like this style of southeastern asian cooking, right? I mean it's a, they're they're fantastic together. Um uh so I really love the Pock Pock cookbook by Andy Ricker who I've talked about we talked about during our authenticity podcast. Yeah, we did. Um, and Andy Ricker is the guy that runs the restaurants Pock Pock that, uh, he has one in Portland and at least one in Brooklyn. I don't know if he has a third now, but they are absolutely, absolutely fantastic. I went to the Pock Pock in Brooklyn, probably like six or seven times. And that's like hard to do because it's a busy restaurant. Right. But I like always made a point to get like a table for the next week or something like that. Um, I love love that fucking restaurant quite seriously it's incredible um now pock pock the book the cookbook is totally totally old school like fr- you know in the trenches from the ground um thai cooking right and yeah just to say just to say like laos is really cool because it's a total product of its location thailand is like not a product of its location in the sense that you have thailand to the west of Thailand is Myanmar, which used to be Burma, which was a right. British colony, 
right? And then on the other side of Thailand, you have Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam that were all... It's just like a total um, conflict. No, French. That was all French, right? Yeah. But just to say, the kingdom of Siam, like the kingdom of Thailand, never fell to white colonialists, right? So that's why Thai food is like... Thai food doesn't... To say Thai food is fusion is almost like I almost disagree with Andy Ricker in saying that Thai food is fusion because Thai food like has actually purest. been it's like quite isolated, yeah. right? Um, from the influences of its neighboring countries. But the cookbook no, talked about by Andy actually. Ricker is um, if Hawker Fair is really good for cooking wheat night wheat night meals, like really good, interesting. It's just like wholesome, um, but, like big meal yeah. cooking. And also relatively relatively straightforward to do. He doesn't ask you and to, you inexpensive. know, like... Yeah, he's not asking you to do really, really crazy things. Like, you know, no, it quadruple like, steam it your like rice 20 minutes and, like, to all this lob. shit, you know? Um, Pock Pock, the Pock Pock cookbook, is more like a chef cookbook. There's yeah, some more much intense, more like involved. intricate, involved technique going on in that book. And on top of that, it calls for, at many times super exotic ingredients right like beetle leaf right that's stuff that yeah, Indian people chew leaf. on yeah. no yeah. but beetle leaf is like something you can never ever find in ever the United get States. In, yeah. impossible impossible yeah. that shit does not exist here you'd have to order that online for sure Same right like acacia leaf and all that bullshit yeah exactly but so <laughs> i would recommend the pock pock cookbook up against um uh the Hawker Fair book because that will give you both easy to cook, really straightforward, wonderful meals out of uh, out of Hawker Fair. But then if you want to get like if you want to get into the weeds and really do something kind of hard yeah. and challenge yourself, get the Pock Pock cookbook and try to cook like, you know, the the honeydew custard with like coconut and stuff rather oh, than banana leaves. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, that shit's ridiculously hard and it's probably fucking delicious, but I will absolutely recommend that to everyone. Cool. Johnny, do you yeah. have anything? Yeah, I would recommend um, The Beginning of Infinity by David Douche. Um, it's he's David like an Douche? David Douche or something. I don't, I don't know. Deutsch. David Douche? Like, let's probably do For the sake of not being children let's call it deutsch, right, deutsch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> deutsch. deutsch. i don't know I, I don't i didn't get his last name i don't know but um yeah it's just like really brilliant spectacularly wrong book about how the world works and I, <laughs> well because what it is is like all right so in uh you know in philosophy like if you're looking at science you're like what does science do is it like you know, is it, it does it does our scientific understanding of the world like explain a real picture of the world, or is it just like an instrument in predicting how the world works? Yes, which could be like different forms. So what he wants to do is like so you can even have that conversation in classical physics, but when you get to quantum physics, it's like way easier to be an instrumentalist where like um, it's more about just trying to be able to predict where the particles are rather than like you know thinking that whatever we're doing is actually an explanation of the world. And what he decides to do is like try to explain quantum physics as like in a realist way mm -hmm. where his, the way that he gets to how um, just like how unpredictability works or uncertainty works has to do with there being an infinite amount of universes <laughs> and how they collide on each other at like the, you know, 
um, the most fundamental particle way. Um, yeah. And so, but then he decides to like, this is like an interesting thing. I don't believe it because of my own um, positions philosophically on science, but it's interesting to read up to that point. And then he decides to try to take that to explain like how politics, like the most correct way of how politics works or how, like, oh how the most way God. of what house, like how art can be objectively good or bad. Oh my and God. that's when I had to like, I threw the book. Like I got so angry because he's so smart and he's doing these really interesting things. And he has really interesting, like he explains like higher order concepts of infinity in really uh, like clear terms. So, like, if you're interested in just, like, the most, like, baffling problems or the most, like, popular science problems um, in science, <laughs> this is a good way of, like... <laughs> the most popular yeah. science problems in science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, like, he does a good job with that, but then, like, when he decides to, like, try to make a theory of everything, it's just so fucking wrong in the most, like, spectacular way that... I don't know. I think it's just like I, I would recommend it to people just to see how like genius can become obsessed with itself in a way that's like you have to be you have to know how everything works where it's like normally how you write is like you try to solve one little problem and like contribute to knowledge. But then you could see people who like they think they see the whole world and they there's a reason why is because their ideas are amazing. But whenever like the only way they can defend against certain like counter arguments that are very persuasive is just by like dissing them at the like, he basically tries to at one point like diss Wittgenstein by saying he was a positivist which I know that probably won't mean <laughs> a lot to people but like that is like that just made me lose my mind like I, I was like I want to punch you in the face he like, just like wasn't staying in his lane he wasn't staying in his lane exactly and uh but I still would recommend it just because it was it the when it's brilliant like his his art like he's so clever the way he like gets around certain issues um, it may be wrong, but like most philosophy is wrong anyway. We read it for like the turns in language and like the beauty of like um, the conceptions of the world we find in them. So I would say I would recommend that. I'll leave it at that. Cool. Meta recommendation there, bro. <laughs> also, was, I don't think I think this is the first time nice we've ever uh, all recommended books. Oh, I love it. I, <laughs> uh, I like reading. I like, yeah, I've been mostly reading. Cookbooks <laughs> are the only books that I read. I'm illiterate. Um, so yeah, I think that's all we got for today. The the reason that there's been such a long uh, hiatus between last podcast and this podcast to give you more excuses is <laughs> we uh, just moved into a new house and there's a remodel going on. And the last time that Johnny and I tried to come here to record, they uh, decided to it. demolish the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had no so idea all of a sudden they come in with like, like sledgehammer. We, we come yeah. here at like 2 p.m. We're like, all right, well, we're ready to, to record like, the record podcast. with like a relatively nice microphone and like all that stuff. Oh, yeah, dude. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. I put overheads. I literally actually put overheads on the construction sounds because I thought they were so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Send me those samples. That's dope. I will. I got to. I got to. Yeah, totally. But yeah, so we're going to try and be more regular. I think start like we. Like there may be a problem for next week, but like definitely by the week after, we're going to be hitting it hard. We're going to be yeah. back on. Back well, on I the think stuff. the I think our the my primary concern and my the reason that I haven't been sleeping here is because we don't have a kitchen, which yeah. <laughs> matters to me. Um, so I haven't been able to stay here, but supposedly our kitchen's going to be done on Monday. So if the remodel's on track, we should be on a regular recording schedule. By yeah, next the, week. the last of the appliances come on Monday. So, yep. um, and then you know we're gonna we're and gonna granite tomorrow. Yeah, granite tomorrow. So. 
That'll be good. And then we'll be we're gonna hit it hard. It's gonna we're yeah. gonna have more podcasts. We're gonna do cooking with Codex. Hell yeah. We're well, gonna it's do, called, oh yeah, uh, not, not a recipe, recipe actually. Not a recipe. Oh, right. Okay, not yeah. a recipe. We'll we'll tell you more when we can produce it a little more, but yeah. it's gonna be really good. And uh we're gonna have some video. We're gonna start like videoing our uh, our Codex West podcast. For sure. Um, and we're just gonna you know, we're we're building it up. It's just We've exciting got, things like, happening here at Codex Codex West. You know what I mean? Like it's we're, we're a, innovators. It's be a dope couple of months. We're early adopters yeah. at the forefront, at the edge. Early adopters of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. fucking right. Meow. All right. Uh, Until next time, thank you for listening. As always, Uh, you can uh, obviously find us on iTunes and Stitcher. um, CodexWest.com. CodexWest.com. That's fully up now. SoundCloud. Um, There's going to be a lot more content coming up in the future. Uh, CodexWest.com slash what are furries. (laughs) Does anybody remember the joke? (laughs) I did it. I do. I do. Fine. Okay. Okay. I'll take it I didn't know it was a joke that needed to like be reiterated. Don't worry. Don't worry. uh, I'm leaving the podcast. I won't be here anymore. No, that's not true. I'm leaving the joke here. I was joking. I was just, you know, uh, I'm embarrassed. (laughs) Really great joke, Bod. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time. Thank you. Have a good one. Peace. Peace.